everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Yesterday was a scary day for the state of Louisiana. More than 20 tornadoes reportedly touched down throughout our state. Shreveport I-20 corridor, including Farmerville and that area, were hit with tornadoes. New Orleans was hit by tornadoes, in particular the West Bank, Gretna, that area. And, of course, right here in Acadiana, New Iberia was hit by a tornado that damaged one of the main hospital medical buildings in town there. So, a scary day for sure in the state of Louisiana with that storm system that came through and by most reports from the governor and state government officials, we had 21 tornadoes touch down in the state yesterday and damage from I-20 to New Iberia down to New Orleans. So please, let's keep everyone that was impacted by those storms, whether they're family or friends or even strangers, keep them in your thoughts and prayers as they're dealing with a difficult time due to the tornadoes that came through the state of Louisiana yesterday. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. Of course, I'm joined in the studio by Miss Hannah Five Names. You can listen to us on your radio dial at 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, or by simply downloading the free mobile app for Android or Apple devices. You can also check us out on Alexa, or if you're here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium Network 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. we got a good Thursday show lined up for you today. Lee Sterling, our sports betting expert, the man that we trust from Paramount Sports, will join us to preview bowl season. At talking LSU-Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. I'm talking Louisiana-Houston in the Independence Bowl and more. We're going to dive in this, into that with Lee coming up at 7.30 this morning. At 8 o'clock, Pelicans-Saints talk with our buddy Les East. Pelicans had to suffer their first loss the other night. They'll look to get back on track after having their seven-game win streak snapped against Utah. They get another chance at Utah tonight. We'll talk about that as well as the latest with the Saints as they prepare for the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday with Les from CrescentCitySports.com. And then at 8.30, our friend from that SEC podcast, Michael Braden, will join us. Look ahead to the bowl games for the SEC teams and also talk about the legacy of Mike Leach and what he was able to do in a few 
short years being in the SEC. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are always open as long as you talk to the lady behind the glass in a nice, respectful fashion. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Before I dive into something that impacts college football, I want to talk about the elephant in the room this morning. That's with Hannah Five Names. Now, you're rocking the parka today. Big hood, like you're ready to go out and climb the side of a mountain in Alaska. So you're bundled up because it's a little chilly outside today. Yes? Yes. But you've now unzipped the parka because you're too hot because in the producer's studio it gets warm because of all the computers that are running in there. But you also have the door open to the cold hallway. You are, in fact, a conundrum. I'm all the things. (laughs) She just doesn't hesitate. I'm all the things. Yes. So you're hot and cold at the same time. Yes. Like, I need, I want to be warm, so I have the jacket that's heated jacket that the fiancé got me for my birthday. Shout out to the fiancé, Kenneth. But I will need the cold to be warm. So, like, the hallway and the 12 computers and systems that are in here makes it too warm. So, I don't need the warmth of that. So, I need to be cooled off by the air in the hallways and to cool me off. It makes me be warm. You got nothing but love for you. Five names. You're welcome. <laughs> I got nothing. Is the jacket off? No. So, time out. Time out. So, your heated jacket is still on. Mm-hmm. You realize you wouldn't be as hot in the hot room if, in fact, you just turned off the heating element in the jacket, right? See, but I also don't know how. To, so Kenneth says that it's not broken. I told him that when I plugged in a little battery pack thingy that it wasn't turning on. He said, there's no way that's what it is. So he said he turned it on. Well, now it's blinking, and now I can't get it to turn off. <laughs> so now I'm just on the struggle bus of, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Hannah will be on the struggle bus today with a jacket she can't turn off. Yeah, but don't worry, guys. I brought a hot and spicy firewalk molten chili chicken ramen today as my, like, breakfast. I'll probably be making it at, like, 7.30. So, to recap, to recap, don't know how to turn off your heated jacket. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to make yourself sick with the warmth and the cold going on at the same time, which I'm sure that will do wonders for your sinuses and your your body, period. And on top of all that, the the cherry on top, if you will, is some fire hot ramen will be your breakfast this morning. Yeah. I also struggled to drive this morning, too, because I don't have heat in the car still, so... uh uh, I couldn't figure out how I couldn't defrost my windshield in the front of me, so I had to use like a jacket that was in the car, and I just had to wipe off the spot where I can see. It's a little hairy for a second, but don't worry, I picked it where I got in the interstate. I there's 
There's so much to dive into. You have a jacket that's heated that you can't turn off. You didn't know how to turn on to begin with. Then now you can't turn it off. And you still have a vehicle that doesn't have a defrost element in it or a heater in it. Mm-hmm. It's been on back order for like a month and a half now. And you're eating ramen for breakfast. Yes. Champion in life right now. You're winning. <laughs> that's how I'm going to leave that. Five names is winning. You know who else is winning? UCLA in the Big Ten. They finally cleared their hurdle for the Bruins to join the Big Ten Conference five months after it was announced that they wanted and that they were leaving the Pac-12 to head to the Big Ten. But there was a roadblock, as there always is, in these things. They needed to get approval from the University of California Regents to allow them to leave the Pac-12 Conference. Once again, five months after the Bruins, along with the USC Trojans, announced that they're heading for the Big Ten in 2024, the UC Board of Regents Chair and UCOP President recommended allowing UCLA to continue its move to the Big Ten in a special meeting held on Wednesday. It wasn't a unanimous vote. It wasn't, you know, a landslide vote. Ended up being 11 to 5. But it does clear the hurdle for the Bruins to head to the Big Ten, which I think is a huge mistake. But that's just me. So the Bruins are now headed over. But it's going to cost them, as these things do. Oh, you want to break up with us? Okay. It's going to cost you. As part of the board's decision, UCLA will now have to increase its expected investment in student-athlete resources and might have to provide a subsidy to the University of California, Berkeley, that's Cal for short, in the range of 2 to $10 million once a Pac-12 media deal is secured, depending on the amount of the deal. So they're making sure that the Bruins are going to have to cough up the dough to leave. Oh, you want to leave. You want to go play in a conference filled with a bunch of Midwest teams that play in the snow. Okay, then. Well, this is what it's going to cost you. You got to pay for this, this, and this. You want to divorce us? Guess what? This is what it's going to cost alimony and child support. Thank you. A spokesperson said that the frequency of the subsidy to UC Berkeley is yet to be determined. The board included other conditions for UCLA to address the impact of the move on athletes, including funds for academic support, nutritional support, and mental health services. Look, I understand that expansion and going to the mega conferences is happening, and we can't stop it, right? College athletics, in particular, College football is a behemoth that cannot be stopped. It grows and grows, and it just continues to eat and eat and eat. And if you try to get in its way, you're going to get pushed aside or ran over, or you're going to just get gobbled up to. I I get all that. But USC and UCLA playing in the Big Ten, 
It's just dumb. It's just dumb. First of all, they're not even close. This isn't the Big Ten adding Notre Dame, which, by the way, is in Indiana, or even adding someone like, you know, when they added Penn State. This isn't that, or if they would go add Pittsburgh. Those make sense. You're adding two West Coast teams, so now you're going to have games between USC and UCLA with Rutgers and Maryland. Really? This is what we're doing? It's just dumb. I get it. I understand why it's happening, because the amount of money being invested due to the television contracts for college football, where it doesn't even matter if fans don't show up anymore. It doesn't matter. We talk about it a lot, about, oh, there's not enough fans in attendance, or why aren't fans showing up for Louisiana Raging Cajun games, or so forth and so forth. But But in reality, it doesn't matter. It's all driven by the revenue generated from advertising on television. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter what your ticket sales are. It doesn't matter what your attendance is. That doesn't matter. It's all about the money that gets shared due to the television contracts. So this is what's driving all of this. And Commissioner Warren for the Big Ten, he's happy. He's thankful that the UC Board of Regents took care of this. But it's just dumb, man. I'm sorry. It just is. It's just dumb. You got you have a conference now that's going to have two teams from California, a team from Maryland, a team from New Jersey, and a bunch of schools in the Midwest. Really? This is what we're doing? Really? Call me old-fashioned. Call me a traditionalist. Not a fan. I understand why it's happening. I do. I understand the logistics behind it. But as a college football fan, this is stupid. It is pubble. We got to take a timeout. When we return here, we're head to the hardwood. Women's basketball action last night. McNeese and LSU both in action. We'll talk about that with you next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel. Oh, the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armitage Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. That'll wake you up. Visa gift card. I don't know about you, but that could go a long way with some last-minute gifts. But you can only score that $500 Visa gift card 
by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. You can do so at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes, powered by Almatar Drillers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had some action on the hardwood last night. The LSU women's basketball team and the McNeese women's basketball team were both in action. And LSU, oh man, they just keep on rolling. 10-0 to start the season, the number 11th ranked team in the country. Angel rescored a career-high 32 points as she shot 13 of 15 from the field. That's what we call efficient. 32 points on 13 of 15 shooting in the 88 to 42 win there inside the PMAC. It was the final non-conference home game for the LSU Tigers, Kim Mulkey's bunch. She broke her previous record, Reese did, of a career high of 31, which she set in this year's season opener. Now, remember, she is a Maryland transfer. Kim Mulkey understands the transfer portal. She also led the team in rebounds with 15. It was her 10th double-double in just as many games to open the season. Once again, she has recorded a double-double in every single game. Ten games, ten double-doubles. Yeah, that, that gets the old double flex. Shout out to Miss Miss Five Names for that. That's really, really good, by the way. <laughs> she becomes, Reese does, the first LSU player with double-digit consecutive double-doubles since... LSU legend Sylvia Fowles did it when she had 19 straight during the 2006-2007 season. So it's been a minute since an LSU women's basketball player was that dominant. They got a good one. Now, the undefeated Tigers are set to head to Maui on Thursday morning. That's today. They're going to fly out for two games over the weekend against Montana State on Saturday and then Oregon State on Sunday. So you get before Christmas, you get to go to Hawaii and play two opponents that they should beat. Kim Mulkey's bunch will then be off over the holiday break before beginning SEC play on December 29th on the road in Fayetteville at Arkansas. So... They have a chance to win both of their games this weekend in Hawaii to get to 12-0 on the season before starting conference play on December 29th. That's pretty good. Well, I'll live and say that's, that's, that's pretty decent. <laughs> the Meanies Cowgirls, meanwhile, they haven't started off the season undefeated. It's been an up-and-down affair for them. They've struggled with some injuries and some turnovers, but last night they got themselves a good win. 76-66 win over Louisiana Monroe in what is the Cowgirls' final home game of the year, the calendar year, that is. They improved to 3-6 and six on the season. Stephanie Guhan scored a career-high 17 points Wednesday night inside the Legacy Center 
as McNeese took down ULM. And for the Cowgirls, it's a bit of a rivalry. McNeese not only has a rivalry with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they also have one from back in the day with ULM as well. LaShanae Stubblefield also responded in a big way. Both players ended the game connecting on five of seven shots from the field with Stubblefield making two of her three-point attempts, which proved to be huge in this ballgame. And McNeese has had an up-and-down season. But this is the type of win that can help them kind of pivot and go, okay, we took down a rival. We took down an in-state school. Now we can kind of get something going. Now we can turn things around, if that makes any sense. Now, the challenge will get far greater for McNeese as, once again, you look at their non-conference schedule. It has been brutal. They had to play a ton of teams out of the Big Ten. They've played severe, tough competition. And they got to travel to Ole Miss on Saturday before traveling to Texas Tech on Monday. So McNeese gets to break for Christmas by not going to Hawaii. They get to break by going and traveling to Ole Miss and Texas Tech. And then obviously after the Christmas break, they'll come back and it'll be time to start off Southland Conference play for the McNeese Cowgirls. But they get a win, much needed one, 76-66 to there at the Legacy Center last night. There will be a huge game tonight inside the Legacy Center on the campus of McNeese. The Louisiana men's basketball team takes on the McNeese men's basketball team. Tip will be set for seven. Of course, you can follow along yours truly as I will be at the game. We'll have a game story up on the website. We'll have a ton of stuff on social media as well, pictures, photos, the whole nine yards. It is a big deal. It is a big deal because this is an old school rivalry between the two teams located near I-10, right? I-10 rivalry. Used to play in the same conference back in the day. It's been a long time before Hannah was born. And it's going to be an electric atmosphere. The game has been designated by McNeese as, quote, turn back the clock as tickets are going to go on sale for only $5. That's it. You can find that by getting the change out of your couch cushions. They want it to be packed. I think it's going to be. I think you're going to have fans, Cajun fans, go over for the game because it's a short drive. And a lot of old school Raging Cajun fans remember this being a rivalry. Tickets are only $5 for tonight's ball game. Children 12 and under get in free with a paid adult. Fans are asked to donate canned goods when entering the Legacy Center. Free Raising Canes for McNeese students. <laughs> it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Great facility. 
McNeese and UL are going to meet for the 98th time in history. Now, the Raging Cajuns hold a 62-35 to advantage on the hardwood between the two programs, and they've won seven straight in this rivalry series, including 83-68 to last December in Lafayette. The Cowboys' last win came in 2014, 80-70 in Lake Charles. That would have been back at Burden Coliseum. Woo. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. Do you consider Louisiana McNeese a rivalry when it comes to athletics? They're what? They're an hour and 15 minutes apart. That's it. A short drive on I 10. They used to play in the same conference, they used to play in the same level of athletics. UL made the move up decades ago. McNeese didn't, but McNeese wants to. And they look at UL as the template of how can we do that? Now, they play in all the sports. They don't play every year in football, but they do play routinely in football. They play every year in basketball, it seems that way. They play every year in baseball and softball as well. Now, part of that with the with the baseball, of course, Tony Robichaud, the late great one, graduated from McNeese, coached at McNeese before coming to UL, and that series always stayed. They always played each other. Softball always plays too because it just makes sense in the state of Louisiana. All the teams play each other, LSU, UL, McNeese. They all play each other. The really good ones. So do you consider Louisiana McNeese a rivalry when it comes to athletics? Right now, 71% of you say no. 19% say yes. I'd be willing to bet you 19% of you are some of those old school fans that remember when it was McNeese versus UL. UL fans would go, go to hell, McNeese. McNeese would go, go to hell, UL. Yeah. That's how it used to be. It's lost a little bit of its fire, right, over the years. It has, but I think this is going to be a generational thing. And 10% of you say sort of. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says McNeese is the quintessential little brother taking his best swing every day but still always coming up a little short. Been that way for the past couple decades. It's kind of cute in its own special way. Bless your heart. Well, that is JPK, the OD, throwing shade at McNeese. Ton says, it hasn't been a rivalry in years, kind of like LSU Tulane. Those are some early comments. Poll question of the day, do you consider Louisiana McNeese a rivalry when it comes to athletics? Yes, no, or sort of. Go vote and leave your comments on Twitter and Facebook. We got to take a timeout. When we return... We're going to talk more about this game. We hear from Bob Marlin and company. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. 
Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview Brought to you by A. Brian's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Cajuns, Cowboys, live from the Legacy Center tonight. It's going to be a good one. Tip's going to be at 7 o'clock. And the Cajuns have begun the season extremely hot. Only one loss that was to to Drake on the road. They have one more non-conference game after tonight. That's on the road at Texas before they begin conference play. They're hot. They're riding a great start to the season. They're the preseason favorites to win the Sunbelt Conference. McNeese trying to find their way in year two under John Aiken. They've had to play a lot of what we call money games. Likes of Baylor and Tennessee. Iowa State. But they're going to be up for this game. And on their little uh, mid-Iowa swing, they did beat Northern Iowa, uh, Northern Iowa. There we go. That only took three times. Maybe if I had a heated jacket that didn't get turned off, I'd be able to do better. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying it could be. But they did beat Northern Iowa, a perennial NCAA tournament team. And they hung tough for a little while against Iowa State. And Bob Marlin knows that McNeese is a quality opponent. Don't let the record fool you. And he also knows that the Cowboys do some things very well. They're athletic. They've got some high major transfers. They've got big guards. Uh, and they're more of a perimeter oriented team Kevin they can shoot the basketball we got to make sure that they don't use the three-point line to their advantage that we take advantage of it like we have been and we've done a good job the last two games if you look at Sam for the second half where they two for 10 and NLC was two for 23 so we're going to need that kind of performance defensively at the three-point line to to win this game so look Bob's always a taskmaster. He always wants to be working on things, right? That's what he wants to do. And he understands what McNeese is going to bring to the table. Don't forget, before Bob arrived in Lafayette, he was a very successful and great coach at Sam Houston State, which was in the same conference as who? McNeese. So he understands what the Cowboys can be and what they can do. He also has been here long enough to understand that, hey, this is a team that can sneak up and beat you. They did it in 2014 in Lake Charles. 
yeah, the Cajuns have won seven straight, but Marlon knows that it's going to be loud. He understands that the place is going to be packed at the Legacy Center, that the fans are going to come out for the Cowboys. So he understands that his team's going to get tested a little bit. Now, one of the things he probably expects to happen and I expect to happen tonight when Bob Marlin's team faces off against John Aiken's squad inside the Legacy Center is that the Cowboys are going to try to double Jordan Brown, right? He is the preseason player of the year. He just dropped 37, a career high on Monday night versus Louisiana Christian. They know that he's going to get doubled team. So how do you adjust to that? Well, they're different things. We obviously can move Jordan around. He's going to get double and tripled every night, so that's part of our practice every day. We move him to different spots where he can be a, a passer and get some assist. I thought the other night he really did a good job and found Kentrell both these games this past weekend and kicked it out and got some assist. Also had a turnover, too. Uh, but the, the game plan is to move the basketball and get them in rotation and then make them pay for it. And if we continue to shoot the ball, then that'll, that'll be option number one. So they're going to move Brown around, but you're going to have other guys that are going to be looking to to step up. Kentrell, Joe, and the others. And they just will be. And that's the great thing about this team. We talked about it with Jay Walker yesterday when he joined us, is the team's chemistry, right? Not only do, does this team have really good chemistry, they also have really good depth. So if something happens, and let's say McNeese is effective of taking Jordan out of his game, making him not be able to dominate the game, they have other guys that are going to be able to step up. And that's what makes the Cajuns so good this year. Just does. Now, we're also into the point of the season where we're going to have these weird breaks. You just had finals. They're going to play McNeese tonight. They'll have Texas on the road in Austin before the break, but then there's the long Christmas break, and then they don't start conference play until the end of the month. How do you make sure your team stays focused during these breaks in the schedule? Well, it's it has been good. We talked about last week. I thought it was the best exam week practice that we've ever had. Uh, and then Sunday, we were good. Yesterday, we, we started good, but we lost our focus after about an hour and a half. And so today, we got to make sure that we've got a really great practice and and just take the next one. Our goal is to be 2-0 this week. we got the first one Monday. Now it's second one coming up. Then we'll focus on the next opponent. Next opponent, of course, after tonight will be the University of Texas Longhorns. And with so much controversy and disruption surrounding that program in particular with their head coach. You're not really quite for sure what Longhorns team is going to show up by the time they face each other. There's serious allegations against the Texas head head basketball coach. Assault, strangulation, that kind of stuff. How much of a distraction is that going to be how much is that going to uh, prepare and impact the focus of the Texas Longhorns? It's something to keep an eye on for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. On the women's side, 
It's been an up and down start to the season for Gary Broadhead's team. Five and five overall. You know, they started off with a win against Houston, but then lost to Texas on the road. They lost to Colorado in the preseason women's NIT. They suffered a loss to Jackson State, Texas Tech, but they've been playing better of late. They won four straight against North Texas, Abilene Christian, LSU, Shreveport, and Louisiana Christian before falling on the road Sunday at Auburn. Now you look at their schedule, what they have left. They're going to play Lamar in Beaumont on Saturday. Monday they'll come back for their Christmas in the Cajun Dome game, taking on LSUA. So they have an opportunity here to get a couple wins, get above 500 before they start conference play on December 29th, which is a Thursday, by the way, inside the Cajun Dome against Georgia State. So a couple games here to kind of get right. And obviously it was a lopsided affair Sunday against Auburn. But was there anything positive to take away from that loss to Auburn on the road? That's what Gary Broadhead had to say. Uh, yeah, I think it was just a natural situation coming out of finals. I didn't think we played as well. Um, I thought the first half against Auburn we did a fair job defensively. Uh, offensively, we just kind of struggled scoring. And then uh, third quarter was probably one of our worst quarters since uh, in 11 years. We, I think we shot one for 13. And, I mean, they had something to do with it. They were denying the ball and, and, and making it tough for us to get into our offense. But, uh, yeah, it was just a, one of those games where – you know, you kind of figure you're getting out of uh, finals and you're not sure how you're going to play. And then the lack of, I mean, not having uh, Sherry Porter as the other point guard, we we kind of struggled getting into what we needed to do and, and all that. So hopefully we can kind of recover this week uh, in practice and, and go to Lamar and then kind of finish up at LSUA before we start conference. Lamar's going to be on the road. That's a short drive over to Beaumont. It's not that far. What does he see from the Cardinals? What, what what do they bring to the table? What are going to be some of the challenges that they're going to face Saturday if they want to try to get a win? Well, they're pretty strong at the guard play. Like their guards, the two guards are averaging 15 and 13, so they're like a lot of dribble drive. I mean, Aqua Franklin played at a A&M uh, when they were really, really good, and, uh, and she kind of does what Gary Blair does. She kind of... This kind of dribble drive, trying to get to the rim and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're not, they're not overly sized. Yeah, post player Davis is pretty good. I mean, she's averaging about ten a game, but most of it's just guard play. You know, just getting moving the ball around, a little bit of motion, dribble drive, and um, you know they'll press some, and you know just uh, just a, a really solid team. You know, just trying to, you know, our thing is always going to be not turning over the ball and and making sure that we're blocking out and rebounding. So. You know, going into that game, I think it's going to be a really good matchup for us. You know, I love playing at the Montaigne Center. It's really a great venue for basketball. And usually our team shoot pretty good, so I'm kind of hoping they build some confidence there. Coach Broadhead shotting out the Montaigne Center. I covered many a game there back in my day when I was covering Lamar, when I worked in Beaumont. You know what's great about the Lamar setup? It's an interesting – so the Montaigne Center is right here. And then they have the football stadium. And they didn't have football for years. They brought it back. So they built the football stadium right beside it. So you can actually 
look into the Montaigne Center from the field. You know, if you're sitting in, in the in the stadium looking down on the football field, the Montaigne Center is right to your left. You can actually see into it, and people can see down. So that's kind of an, a nice little thing. But the the best thing about that is there's a legitimate train that goes right behind the Montaigne Center and right behind the football stadium. So you're there watching a game, and you see a train slow down because there's a chemical plant that it dumps <laughs> off to. So you just see this chemical plant with all the smoke coming out, and there's a train right there, and you'll hear it during the game. Ah, and it's a horn just blares, and there's a train literally right behind the stadium. It's, it's different over in the Beaumont. It's a little bit different. We got to take a timeout. When we come back here in RP3 and Company, we'll update the poll question of the day. We also have some recommendations on what Hannah can do to defrost her car better, courtesy of JPK, the OD. We'll do that next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. With a corn cob pipe and a button nose, and his eyes made out of cold. Frosty snowman. I love Christmas music. I love traditional Christmas music. I sing it all the time. My daughter loves singing it all the time. That's what we do. That's what we do. Poll question of the day. We asked you, inspired by tonight's Louisiana Raging Cajuns McNeese Cowboys ball game, do you consider Louisiana McNeese a rivalry when it comes to athletics? For a lot of you older fans... You still remember it as a rivalry game. But do you consider it a rivalry? 67% of you say no. 19% say sort of. 14% of you say yes. Salty Steve, always good, always good for a salty comment. Has chimed in as well. Let's get to his comment, shall we? With all due respect, Ricky Bobby, I believe it's as big as a mismatch since Michael Jackson got together with Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> Keep those comments coming. We'll share them throughout today's show. Keep voting as well. We got to take a time out. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Seven oh three on this Thursday, chilly Thursday morning. Storm system came through the state of Louisiana yesterday and brought a cold front after it. Once again, scary day for the state. A reported twenty-one tornadoes in the state yesterday alone, in a twenty-four hour period. Up along the I twenty corridor, Farmerville, other areas hit with tornadoes. New Orleans. West Bank in particular, Gretna hit with tornadoes yesterday. And, of course, we had a tornado 
cause severe damage and destruction in New Iberia, including impacting one of the medical facilities there, which could have a direct impact for months to come, as doctors will now have to find new office space to be able to treat their patients. Scary day. So prayers and, uh, and everyone that was impacted by the destruction of the tornadoes throughout the state. Got to keep them in your thoughts and prayers, especially this happening right before the holidays. So if you can do anything to help out, you know people in those areas, you can lend a hand, help them out, please do so because those people are in need of help right now. Poll question of the day is about tonight's game over in Lake Charles. Legacy Center is going to be, well, it's going to be lively tonight. Old school rivalry game between McNeese and Louisiana. And yes, I say Louisiana Raging Cajuns and McNeese Cowboys. I don't say McNeese State Cowboys because you know what? The fine folks at McNeese don't want you to reference them as McNeese State anymore. They like to be known as McNeese Cowboys, so I oblige. Just like the folks at UL say, we don't want to be known as the Louisiana Lafayette, even though technically that's the university's name. The university name is University of Louisiana Lafayette. Athletically, which is now recognized by the NCAA, they want to be known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Just like over in Lake Chuck, they're known as McNeese State University. But for athletic purposes, they take out the state anymore. Now it's just McNeese Cowboys. And I oblige both. So I just want to go ahead and throw that out there now. People get caught up with the names, man. They get they get fired up. It's all a little silly to me. It's all a little silly to me. Someone's showing her pride for her alma mater today. The jacket is off, and now we're rocking the class of 2021 University of Louisiana at Lafayette shirt. Someone's feeling good going down memory lane from graduating a year ago. Around this time, right? We're past it. I think it was last week would have been nope. the anniversary. This Sunday this makes Sunday. one year being a graduate and one year being engaged as well. Oh, let's give it up for five names. Thank let's you. give it up for Hannah. Firepower. <laughs> so when I say ULL, if someone comes for me, I'm going to have to beat you up. Because that's the university you graduated from. Yes. And that's what it says on the diploma. Yes, I didn't graduate from the athletic program. I graduated from the school. So right, that's right. So it's just just simple education. If you graduate from the school, yes, and the school is the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. The athletic programs and the athletic department is known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Yes, there's a difference. Boom. You're welcome. There we go. People that only recognize the athletic programs. <laughs> There's a whole school system that's part of this as yeah. well. There's a whole it's university. the only reason it exists. You're there welcome. You. That's right. The athletic department is there because of the school. I'd huh? just like to point that out. Yeah, we, and, 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 and we get flack all the time. Oh, it's the, oh, we're known as the Louisiana. Yeah, we know yes. that the sports teams are known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We get it. We understand that. It's when it's students, too. It's students that go and it's like, no, we're Louisiana. No, no. You're, you're the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. That's U-L-L. That is U-L. 
No. Oh, man. You know, it's just, you know, look, universities and athletic departments, they, they, they change their names for branding purposes. Yeah. Right? And for the Raging Cajuns, it has worked. Right. Because they finally got the conference to sign off on it, despite teams in the conference refusing to do so. Looking at you, ULM. Shout out to Funro. And I get it. And, and other teams in the state don't want to refer to the Raging Cajuns as Louisiana, even though the NCAA now recognizes it. The the conference, the NCAA, ESPN, Athlon Sports, Sports Illustrated, the Sporting News, all national media outlets say Louisiana Raging Cajuns now, right? Mm-hmm. But you still have some media outlets here in the state that refuse to do so. I get it. I mean, if we want to be technical... We could call LSU by its actual technical name too, which I, I believe on the diploma still says like mechanical and every it has all that other stuff on there. I think I don't know. I'll ask my best friend. She graduated from there. <laughs> so I mean, we could we could go down this road, right? We could go down this road of silliness because that's what it is. Yeah, it's all just silliness. I mean, Louisiana College changed its name to Louisiana Christian University now. For decades, decades, it was Elsie. Louisiana College. And all of a sudden, they decided, you know what? That ain't working for us. Let's change the name of the college. Just changing it. Louisiana Christian University now. LCU. Okay. You changed it. That's what you want to go by. I have no problem. It doesn't bother me. That, that, that that's, no. the, that's the funny thing. As someone who's covered both teams and did not attend either university, by the way, I'm talking about Louisiana McNeese. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't bother. I didn't intend LSU either. By the way, it, it doesn't bother me. Like the fact that the Cajuns want to be known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns for for sports. Okay. The conference signed off on it. NCAA signed off on it. Okay. I don't care. Why does it bother me? Why Why does that bother other fan bases? Uh, do, do, do you think? The team known as Louisiana Raging Cajuns is going to be misinterpreted as LSU? Oh. No. Literally on there is it says LSU. That's it. <laughs> no. No one's going to confuse any of this. This is the dumb part about all of this. Uh, uh, they, how dare they? Do you want the name? Do you want to be known? Like, come on, man. It's just dumb. It's just silly. Who cares? Like, when people go and they think of a college in Louisiana and they're from, like, North Dakota and they're like, oh, the school in Louisiana is Louisiana State University. That's LSU. They think of LSU. Because that's what they think of. It's a very big school. It's a very prominent school in Louisiana. But that doesn't matter. When you see it on a scoreboard on like turn to like you know to the NCAA's tournament or whatever and you see LSU like oh yeah that's just LSU that's Louisiana State University they're in Baton Rouge if you see Louisiana like oh well there's red right there it's definitely not LSU and you know the other thing that in all the pettiness no one really wants to address is that for most part the general fan doesn't care about the first name it's all about the nickname right yeah it's all about the Tigers, or the Raging Cajuns, or the Cowboys, or the Demons. Yeah, yeah. Is anyone... Like, Southeastern Louisiana changed their little thing, too, right? Recently, last couple of years, where now it's... Instead of being referred to as S-E-L-A, 
right? They went to SLU, I believe. Okay, great. Okay, if that's what you want to do. Nichols dropped Nichols State. They've been doing this for years. It used to be Nichols State. That's technically the university. They want to be known for athletic purposes as the Nichols Colonels. Okay, that's what you want to do. Fine. McNeese wants to drop the state for athletic purposes. Great. I'm okay doing that too. Doesn't bother me. No. And because just confuse them. they're different entities. The school that is all about academics is referred to as one thing. Its athletic department is being allowed to be referred as something else. Right. So I don't care. Don't like care. You're, the only thing you're really people are going to see when it comes to fan bases, if you look at the TV screen or you look at just a picture, you're like, oh, that's blue and yellow. That has to be the Cowboys. <laughs> that's red right. and black. That has to be UL. Right. It's it's not like the Raging Cajuns are going rocking purple and gold here. Right. right. You have your own colors and you have your own, for the most part, at least in Louisiana, it seems like, you have your own mascot. There's not there's most most multitude of tigers in different places, but like you think of the tigers in Louisiana, you think of LSU, you think of the raging cages, you're gonna think of Louisiana. Correct. If you think of a cowboy, you're gonna immediately go to like, it's just it's but it everything. Goes, They're but all it goes to everything. Own. Grambling no longer rocks Grambling State. They really don't. No, right? They, 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 they just go as Grambling, even though the university is Grambling State, right? Southern University. When people talk about Southern University, do they go Southern University Jaguars? No, they go Southern Jags. They don't even say Jaguars. They just say Jags, right? Yeah. It's all just a bunch of silliness and a waste of time. And you're talking to someone who worked in media <laughs> and newspaper business where when the Cajuns first started doing that, and the only newspaper in the state that would address them like they wanted to was the Daily Advertiser. This is that how long ago? And the rest of the state, we're like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Now, that was before the conference signed off on it and everything like that. But, you know, I'm older now. I don't care. I really don't care. So I know a lot of you will care. And a lot of you Cajun fans will refer to McNeese as McNeese State, even though they don't want to be known as McNeese State. And McNeese fans will want to reference the Cajuns as ULL. It's all dumb. Just letting you know. Here's my Christmas gift to you. It's dumb. Doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. It's your team, it's your team. Just just realize they, they are schools. They are schools and there's athletic programs. There's schools and athletic departments, and those two things are different. Yes. They're different. And it's ran by literally, the school. The school runs the athletic program. It's the reason for its being. So uh, poll question of the day. Do you consider Louisiana McNeese a rivalry when it comes to athletics? You see what we did there? There's no McNeese State. There's no UL. It's just Louisiana McNeese. See how that is? See how simple that is? It doesn't cause any stress. Seriously, people. Right now, 72% of you say no. 16% say sort of. And 12% say yes. Mr. Green says, hasn't been for a while, but if McNeese wins? Question mark. Still probably not. It's a shame, though. I remember the rivalry. I'd love to see it rekindled. See, that's someone whose athletic department really can't change their name. Because we know Mr. Green went to NSU, Northwestern State University, Demons. But they, can, they can't drop the state. Because there's another Northwestern somewhere Because else? there's Northwestern in Illinois. That's part of the Big Ten, right? 
what I refer to as the future lawyers of America, a smarty school. So Northwestern always has to be now in the state. People will not. And see, that's the other thing. Even though it's technically NSU and on their helmet, there's an N and S and a U. Mm-hmm. NSU. Most people in the state of Louisiana refer to Northwestern State University as Northwestern. Yeah. Like right? I, had, I had a choreographer come in and she's like, I, go to, I went to Northwestern or I coach at Northwestern. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Say what you want. Just don't, no flack for no reason. Put <laughs> your facts straight. Uh, Hart has a question. Yes. At RP3 and at the game. Tell me why the Xmas music y'all playing gave me the mental image of RP3 yelling at five names, Alvin and the Chipmunk style. I don't think that's ever happened. No, that'd be funny, though. <laughs> Alvin! What if you, you That would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, we become Alvin. Alvin and the Chipmunks. We can be me and Matt and James. We can oh, become yes. the Chipmunks. The three of you could be, yes. Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But who would be who? Oh, I feel Mesh would be Alvin because he's the most mischievous of the three. Okay. And you would be... I feel like I'd be Simon and then Matt would be... Theodore. Theodore. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Have it go lucky. Still complain somehow, but he's have it go lucky. Yes. That's how that would go. Boom. Also, a helpful tip from jp uh though d is use your heated jacket that you couldn't turn off to defrost your windshield since you don't have the defrost element you don't have heat in your car why not take your heated jacket that you couldn't turn off until she ripped the battery pack out of it (laughs) and now it's on the counter in the studio (laughs) why not just use why not just use the heated jacket to defrost your windshield See, the thing is, though, it blinked the whole time, but I never really felt the quite heat, but I think it was on for so long. I had it zipped up. I was feeling heat, but then I realized to the battery pack out, the battery pack was off. So I don't, I don't know. It sounds- I use the outside of it, though, to wipe the spot in front of my windshield, and then I use another jacket that was, like, more cotton to, like, dry it off. It feels like <laughs> your jacket is a walking hazard. That it's just going to catch on fire anytime. Don't tell me that. <laughs> See, I would never wear something like that. For that for that fear that it would just, the battery would just, and then all of a sudden now I'm on fire. And the battery pack goes on the inside of the jacket. So that freaks me out. Now you see what you did here. <laughs> we got to take a time out while Hannah debates whether or not she'll ever wear her jacket again. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and... 
Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you numerous times before, Chris and his team over at Lafayette Marble and Granite, they provide more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. That's right, no muss, no fuss, and guess what? In a few years, you don't have to worry about that stinky odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their now-renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Is Louisiana McNeese still a rivalry? Is it a rivalry? Yes, no, or sort of. Those are your options. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Let's talk a little football while we have a few minutes here. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, a week from Friday, they'll be playing in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. They're in Independence Stadium as they'll be taking on the University of Houston Cougars. That's right. And for... UL, look, they got guys that are not going to be there, right? Michael Jefferson, their best wide receiver, he's opting to prepare for the NFL draft. He's getting ready for the East-West Shrine game. Andre Jones getting ready for the East-West Shrine game, one of their great pass rushers across the defensive line. He's preparing for the NFL draft. So, look, they're going to have guys missing. They're going to have guys not there to play in the bowl game to try to get to the – try to get the Raging Cajuns to seven wins and have a winning season in the season strong. But for Coach Dez, you know what? If you're here, you're here. If you're not, you're not. The guys that are going to be here, they're going to step up, they're going to play, and they're going to help this team win games. I mean, you always miss, you know, players like that. But, um, you know, I mean, you can focus on those things or you can focus on the ones you got. And getting them ready to go play and get ready for their opportunity. And, you know, uh, you know, Andre's another one made the decision that he was going to move on, and that's, that's, you know, that's the decision he wanted to make. Uh, I'm excited about the guys that get to go play. Um, you know, they've, they've worked their tails off all year and, and played behind him and played the supporting cast, and, and they get to go out there the last game of this year and go be the star of the show. So, I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited about the, the opportunity for those guys. And, you know, the, the guys that, that want to play in this game, we're, we're going whoever it is, however many it is, we're going to get them ready to go. And we're fortunate. Most of them, they, they, they want to get on that bus and go do it. Um, but the ones that, that have decided that it was time to move on, I mean, I, I wish them nothing but the best. But we can't be concerned about who won't be there. It, it's got to be about who will be there. And that's what our focus has been. That's what it will be. Um, and you're going to get to see some guys that will go out there and, and hopefully go take advantage of the opportunity to have. Now, missing Jefferson is going to be key, right? Because he became kind of their go-to wide receiver this year. Great athlete, can extend, can win those one-on-one battles, take uh, bring down those 50-50 balls. But it's not as if they don't have guys in the wide receiving core that have experience, a couple seasons worth of experience, and that can step up. And Coach Des elaborated on which wide receivers will be stepping up with Jefferson out of the bowl game. Well, certainly. I mean, all those guys that have played will, um, you know, 
the, the you know, John, Pete, um, you know, Errol, uh, Jake Bernard, those guys that have been in the rotation the whole time, they need to step up a little bit and play, you know, play their best game. Um, and then, you know, you add a guy like Lance to the mix that, you know, has played more and more as the years go to, going on, but now it's kind of his time to get to go out there and go do it. And I think last week, you know, you kind of saw the progress the guys made over the course of the year where last year, even last, I'm sorry, couple, the last game we played, um, early in the game, he was a big part of the game plan and what we're doing. So, you know, those guys, the, the usual suspects need to do it. Um, and I would say that Lance is probably the one that's burst on the scene a little bit more lately. Um, you know, potentially a guy like Jamal Bell, who, who's been here, who's played in games and made big plays in games for us, um, could get a little bit more. But a lot of the guys that, that have been here, you know, you don't, you don't really go like one for one sometimes when you have a guy like MJ, the impact he's made on our team. You kind of need everybody to step up a little bit, and that includes the tight ends, you know, in the past game. That you know, you just got to kind of spread it out a little bit, and, and um, the guys just got to go play and make plays that we know they're capable of. They don't need to do – no one needs to go be Michael Jefferson. They just need to go play their game and go make the plays they're supposed to make. But, I, I mean, I, I expect that group to step up and go play well. So there you go. Coach Dez, even with the guys not being there, he still expects his guys, next man up, step up. We got the extra time to prepare. Let's go out there and get a win. I love that mentality. Even though they are going to be a couple guys down, I love that mentality. And as we found out yesterday from Jay Walker, Looks like the University of Houston is going to have seven guys opt out of the bowl game. So they're going to be without some of their best players as well. So they could kind of even things out, so to speak. We've got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, no time for us to talk with our good friend Lee Sterling. We'll talk about that Raging Cajuns game against the Cougars, as well as the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Purdue. Clemson, Tennessee, and the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and so much more. That's all coming up right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, uh, if you love listening to Christmas music, Christmas music that we've been playing starting this week here on RP3 and Company, then you can check that out by listening to your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com. That's lachristmaschannel.com or by simply downloading the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listening on your Amazon Alexa. 
So listen to some holiday cheer this season with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Speaking of cheeriness, that's what our first guest today brings to the table when he joins us. He's the man behind Paramount Sports. He's our preferred, our go-to sports betting analyst. Lee Sterling joins us now. Lee, good morning to you. Brother, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. A uh, couple of long days today and tomorrow, and and then uh, not doing any shows until uh, the Thursday and Friday before the Super Bowl. So headed uh, to New York City, see my daughter, stay with her for a week, and actually going to be at the, how about this, a surprisingly good game, the Jets and the Lions on Sunday. So uh, It's amazing that Detroit is where they're at, and the same thing for the Jets. Uh, who, who who had that playoff implications no on the line in December b- between the Lions and the Jets? I don't think anyone uh, could have seen that. All right, brother, let's get right to it since we're going to wrap it up with you for this calendar year. And let's talk about the first game up for us, and that's a week from Friday. That's the Independence Bowl. Weather conditions should be slightly chilly. Louisiana taking on Houston. Both teams have had some guys declare – for the NFL draft or enter into the NCAA transfer portal. So that's the era that we live in. But should be a good game between a six-win Raging Cajun team and a seven-win Houston Cougar squad. Cougars are the six-point favorite in this game. How do you like this? Yeah, so Houston quarterback Clayton Toon came on, I thought, a lot as the season progressed. There's always a lot of pressure on him, and in big games, he had not done well the last couple of years, but actually under the radar had a really good year. 37 touchdowns and uh, 10 interceptions this year, so no one was really talking about him. Last four games of the year, Louisiana Lafayette uh, didn't have a quarterback throw for more than 200 yards, and I think you got to score points now in college football. And also, uh, uh, they got to stop. They got to keep him out of the end zone. Here's the key for luck: they can keep him out of the end zone. Houston's kicking. They, they tried two different guys back and forth. They got real kicking problems. They got a chance, but I, I just think Houston's going to make too many big plays. And Clayton Tune does it, throwing and also running the football. A lot of times, third and eight, third and ten, he'll run for that first down here. I think Houston's just a different level above Lafayette this year. Thirty-four twenty-one. 34-21, says Lee, yep. for the Independence Bowl. Let's go to the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. I still sometimes refer to it as the Tangerine Bowl, but that shows my yep. age a little bit, Lee. <laughs> uh, I, I, hey, I remember it, too. I remember yeah. sometimes the game wasn't even televised and listening on the radio. There, Yes, How about I, that? I remember that as well. LSU versus Purdue, and the line has shifted on this. Uh, even with some guys, some backups, and some other guys entering the transfer portal for LSU, they do get Kayshawn Butte, who decides he wants to come back. They got uh, some additional time to prepare for this game. Purdue, meanwhile, will have a new head coach. That's always a tricky situation. That's moved the line in this game. LSU heavy favorite by 10. Do you like that line, and what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, so Jeff Brom leaves Purdue, and he took quite a few assistants with him. You know who's coaching Purdue? I have no idea. His brother, Brian Brom, he's going to coach him. And they pretty much think alike. I know someone um, who played at Louisville knows both brothers pretty well. And he said, listen, if you think there's going to be much difference in play calling, don't expect it here. 
And so if you, you got one, you probably got the other one. Uh, Jeff was really good as a dog uh, coming off a loss. In fact, was 10-0 and in his career at Purdue. So um, the game was closer than the score would indicate if you were to watch the uh, Big Ten championship game. Conference game losers, 8-2 and two against the spread as double-digit bowl underdogs. So I think Purdue's coming to play. they got nothing to lose. They want to be there. I mean, I think LSU's more going to take this game as like a glorified scrimmage. And Brian Kelly, not great in bowl games. Five and eight against the spread in bowl games here. LSU, 38-35, they win the game. But Purdue covers ten and a half a lot in a bowl game. Let's talk, stay in the state of Florida, and let's talk about the most orange of orange bowls of all time. <laughs> Clemson versus Tennessee, but look, there's some big names here, right? Clemson, we know, won't have Hooker because of the injury. They also lose Hyatt, who's declared for the NFL draft. He's not going to take part in the Orange Bowl game. Clemson had their former starting quarterback who never really developed into the star they thought he was. He's in the portal now as well, but they've already made the change. I like Clemson in this game, but the point spread, despite – Tennessee not having Hooker and not having Hyatt is only six points. That intrigues me a ton, Lee. What do you make of that? See you know what the biggest name in this in this bowl game is? Dabo Sweeney? No. Brooke Sterling, my daughter who's singing the national anthem. So There it um, is. Make, oh, let's go. Let's, let's give it up for Lee's daughter. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So tune Congrats. in early. Um yeah, she'll be singing the national anthem and she will be wearing from uh, what I hear, an orange dress and some Nike orange, uh, I don't know if they're called pumps or something like that, uh, tennis shoes. So that's my daughter. She'll be singing the national anthem. I think it's actually a good math matchup here because there's some huge hype here with Clemson quarterback Cade Klubnik making his first start. He played, you know, on and off during the year, but extensively in the championship game. And everyone feels he's going to make a statement for next year. I think he's going to be a star. What's craziest, I don't know if you know this, he wanted, I think, to go to Texas A&M. Did you know that when the recruiting process was going on? Yeah. Were you aware? Yes, sir. Yep. And, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, turned out A&M took someone before him, and so he's like, okay, I'll take my talents to Clemson here. Uh, Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton, no slouch either as a backup, one of the best backups, but without – Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, who is a stud. I mean, he is a long strider who is almost unguardable here. I think it's going to be tough for Tennessee. I do think they'll be sky high. I think they're going to have more fans at this game here. But I just think that Clemson's better in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. I'm going to take Clemson here, latest six, six and a half. Clemson 35-24. Lee, it also feels like, that this game means maybe a little bit more to Clemson because of how things happened this season. Like it feels like it, it may be a little bit more important for them to end with a marquee bowl win and build off of that with their new quarterback for next season. That's what it kind of feels like too. I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. I, I think the, the, yeah, the building part is true with Klubnik and this is going to be kind of like a sneak preview of what to expect next year. Right. But I think Tennessee's going to be excited to be there also. They haven't been, they haven't been going to too True. many bowls the last eight, ten years. So um, I just think that they're going to win it up front. And you win a lot of battles, offensive and defensive lines, you're better. You're going to win a lot of games. And you're going to usually win games uh, 
where the other team can't score quickly. We're talking with Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's look ahead to Georgia-Ohio State national semifinal game. Bulldogs undefeated, number one ranked team in the playoff bracket, the defending national champs. Buckeyes get humbled in a big way in their finale as they got curb stomped in the second half by Michigan, got pushed around. But they get the extra time to prepare as they sneak into the playoff. It's a 1-4 matchup. Georgia is favored only by six. How do you like this matchup? Yeah, third time here for Georgia uh, playing in this building here. And uh, last one was just a month ago. <laughs> so uh, it's not like they're going to be in awe or not going to be you know used to their settings here. Georgia, I like the three-headed rushing attack. Uh, featuring running backs Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, and also Kendall Milton. They use all three according to their skill sets at a really high level. Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud was very good this year, but you know not good enough in the big games versus Michigan and also Notre Dame. Uh, bowlers who allow less than 14.5 points per game on defense that won their conference title game, 19-4, and four, straight up 17-6 and six against the spread versus their opponent. I just think unless Stetson Bennett throws two or three interceptions, you got to ride the Bulldogs here, Georgia 40-17. to 17. So you, you like them to win that comfortably because my, my only question would be Ohio State has some studs at wide receiver, and LSU mm-hmm. – was able to throw all over Georgia's defense. Now, Georgia won that game with ease, but they gave up a lot of chunk yardage, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is an absolute stud, but you don't think that's really going to matter? You know, I I think it it kind of – it wasn't – maybe it was worse. They just didn't – I think that they were going through it like it was a regular season game. You know, okay. look back to last year, the championship game against Alabama. They lost that game, and then they avenged the game. I think this is the game that they want. Um, I think they always felt that they could win uh, the conference championship game. And it's hard. they have some guys, like defensive tackle and their two tight ends. I mean, next-level guys. Guys are going to go in the NFL and become feature players right away. And uh, – just don't know if Ohio State can stop those guys. So I think Ohio State had it going for a while, but there's a difference also, uh, offensive and defensive lines. Uh, I'll never forget this. I was at the Notre Dame-Alabama championship game. This might be like seven, eight, ten years ago. And I had a wager on Alabama. And a friend of mine, we were on the field before the game. And I was watching the Alabama defensive linemen warm up. And I'm like, Oh, dear, you know what? I'd never seen, and Notre Dame's big. I'd never seen defensive and offensive linemen that big, strong, and fast. And I just think that's the difference here also. Georgia, big. All right, Lee, let's go to the Saints and the Falcons in a game that feels like a punishment for all of us to watch. (laughs) It's because the NFC South is awful terrible no one wants to win that division tampa bay looks like they're just disinterested in everything but we get saints dirty birds inside the caesar superdome uh the saints have so many so many issues so many issues coaching preparation tackling turnovers not scoring when they get in the red zone yet 
They're a four-point favorite at home versus Atlanta. But traditionally speaking, the Saints always struggle against rookie quarterbacks, and Desmond Ritter is going to be playing in this game. He's going to start. Yep. What do you make of the the point spread on this game? Well, I think that if you're interested in watching maybe the Falcons' next quarterback – um, you're going to want to tune in. I'm not a big fan of Desmond Ritter. Uh, whenever he was in big games like last year and against Alabama, he did, couldn't take his game to the next level. And then in the preseason, he was playing, uh, you know, against a bunch of vanilla defenses here. So uh, I know that's the game plan. A lot of teams do it. They have the bye week, and then they coach up or try to coach up the rookie quarterback, uh, give him more time in his first start here. But I just think he's a question mark here, and uh think he's going to have trouble here. And uh, also, uh, this is a New Orleans team that I think that, you know, just they just need to do everything a little bit better. I think that they have not played even close to their potential here. And uh, Atlanta here also one and six against the spread after a six and zero start here. I think the Saints are the right side here. I think they win and cover here, twenty to fourteen. All right, brother, get you out of here with yep. this. Give us your free play of the week. Yep. Uh, game of the week is going to be San Francisco and Seattle tonight. Don't normally give away free plays, client plays uh, as the free play, but like it a lot. Just my way of saying thank you. So if you want to get San Francisco and Seattle for free, just call eight hundred four hundred. Nine seven four one big play on San Fran and Seattle. You're looking to start your week off right. Give it to you eight hundred four hundred nine seven four one. We have what's called the double down December. We won thirteen of eighteen weeks this year. Another incredible year. If you want to get the thirty seven bowl games through the end of December and also last two weeks of the NFL this month, just a hundred and ninety seven dollars. ParamountSports.com and Ray. I want to wish you and your family, and your staff, and all the listeners out there, happy, healthy, and safe holiday season and New Year. Same to you, brother. Appreciate your time. Enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your trip to New York. And uh, congratulations and best of luck to your daughter singing the national anthem for the Orange Bowl, bud. It's something to be proud of. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Be safe. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two, give you an update on that poll question of the day. That's all next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's hard. At the end of the day, all that matters is winning. And it doesn't matter how it gets done. And, I mean, you can, from a personal level, you could play really bad and you can win. And it, you know, it feels better. There's things that you can improve and the things that you go into, but at the end of the day, you won. And on the opposite side of that, you can play really well and lose. And it feels like you're not doing enough, feels like you, um, you know, you're, there's still a lot out there that you can do better, even though personally you may be playing well. So, I mean, there's all different aspects that go into it. So, I mean, it is hard to uh, be where we're at and know that we've missed some opportunities to, to keep winning. But at the end of the day, we still have four games left to play. You still have to go out there and play the game. And, you know, you got to make the most of, of every opportunity that you get. Andy Dalton. Seems fitting, him talking to the media while we were playing Blue Christmas. <laughs> Coming in out of the timeout. Shout out to five names for that. Saints. Oh, man. 
Lots of blues for, for the Houdats. Look, I, I said it before. You're not going to see Jameis Winston the rest of the year. I just don't see it how it's happening. Andy is DA's guy, and they're going to roll with him. As long as Dalton doesn't get hurt, you're not going to see Jameis again. Not this season. Just not. DA's not going to go back to Jameis. He just won't. He just won't. So they're trying to stay positive. They're trying to get back on track. They're just trying to beat Atlanta on Sunday. You know what would help in the game against the Dirty Birds? Getting Alvin Kamara involved and getting him to be productive, that would be a huge step in the right direction. Andy was asked, why hasn't Kamara been productive or been involved as much? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's one reason why that hasn't happened. Um, you know, I think there's some stuff where we could probably get him the ball a little bit more uh, at times. And, you know, I think some of those situations where he was getting a lot, it's just check downs and different things and where, you know, I feel like we've had opportunities to get the ball to, to other guys. And so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say there's one reason why, I mean, he hasn't been getting the ball. There's been opportunities to get the ball to other guys who aren't as good. <laughs> I just, I get it every once in a while. You want to keep the defense honest, but you got to get the ball in your playmakers' hands, man. I What Kool-Aid are they drinking down there in Metairie these days? Yeah, 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 uh, you know, other opportunities for guys, you know, like uh, Kevin White, uh, or guess Galloway. Yeah, you combine those two guys together, they're still not half as good as Alvin Kamara. Come on! No! <laughs> What are we doing? Let's get the ball to other guys. But the guys aren't doing nothing. You'd be winning the games. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to talk more about the dysfunction that is the New Orleans Saints as we kick off our number three, talking to our guy, Les East of CrestedCitySports.com. That's coming up next. Oh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day about UL McNeese rivalry. Is it still one? Yes, no, or sort of? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll get to them throughout today's show. Hour number three coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. on this chilly Thursday morning, December 15th. Two hours are in the books. Final hour has arrived on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Michael Braden from that SEC podcast will be joining us coming up in about half an hour from right now as we talk about the legacy of Mike Leach and look ahead to some of the bowl game matchups for SEC teams. That's all coming up in a half an hour. But right now it's time for us to talk about the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to do so with our friend from CrescentCitySports.com, Les East. Les, good morning to you, bud. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I am doing outstanding. So let's start with the black and gold first. 
not mathematically eliminated yet, even though I think we can go ahead and should just you know protest for the NFL to do so. But they are a mess. 4-9, they're taking on another mess, the Atlanta Falcons, who had their starting quarterback apparently quit, right? He's just done. Marcus Mariota's like, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm not even part of the team. They're going to be starting a rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I know it's a rivalry game, but both of these teams, let's be honest, have been awful. What do you think of this matchup Sunday inside the Superdome? Not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I, I believe a few weeks ago the NFL had uh, kind of put them in a bullpen of games to be uh, flexed to Saturday. And then both teams continued to be so poorly that they said that thanks but no thanks and, and stuck them at noon on Sunday. Um, so uh, this game is uh, going to get the limited amount of attention that it deserves. Uh, I have no uh, idea what to expect from this game because I don't think anybody knows what to expect from Desmond Ritter. That's the, the wild card in this matchup. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye. Uh, you know, the Saints, had they beaten Tampa Bay in that last game, they would actually be in a fairly strong position to possibly win the division. Uh, but now it's, uh, as you pointed out, it's practically impossible, although not yet mathematically impossible. Um, the Falcons, I think, generally have been a little more competitive than the Saints, though both teams have a lot of close losses. A lot of one-score losses. Um, so, I don't know. It's two bad teams, and the one that uh, is slightly worse on Sunday will be the one that loses. Oh, what a prospect. <laughs> what a prospect. Can't wait to watch this just matchup of awfulness that's going to be on the field. Uh, let's start with the offense for the Saints. They moved the ball pretty well between the 20s. Despite the injuries to the wide receiving core with no Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry missing at least half the year, they don't do a bad job of moving the football between the 20s. What they struggle with is when they get into the red zone. Why do they struggle so much when they get into the red zone, Les? Well, oftentimes it has to do with a penalty. Um, there I, it is. I, I haven't looked at it this week. They're you know, the most penalized or one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. And I can't remember how many times this year they've had a nice drive going. And then there's a penalty. It's usually a false start, but sometimes it's a, it's a holding call or maybe something a little more creative. And uh, it sets them behind the chains and they wind up attempting a field goal or punting or some other way of staying out of the end zone. So uh, I think the penalties are the number one thing. I, I think turnovers have occasionally been a problem. And then other times they just don't execute that well in the red zone because they're not good enough to sustain execution for the period of time necessary to get a touchdown. If you know, it, it, they don't have a big play offense, so they may be able to convert two or three first downs to get themselves into scoring range, but they're not good enough to convert the next two or three to get into the end zone. It's just the law of averages catches up to them. They're not a team that's likely to, to finish off a 10, 11, 12-play drive 
to get a touchdown and they're not a big play offense and usually they're playing behind the sticks because of the penalties. So it's just a, a, a cornucopia of badness. It's a good word. That's <laughs> a good word. What's wrong with Alvin Kamara? I don't know. They, um, you know, Dennis Allen said they've talked this week about uh, getting him more involved in the offense, which is probably something that should have been on the agenda prior to mid-December. Um, but he didn't seem engaged in that game in Tampa, which I think is part of the reason why an injured Mark Ingram was trying to get the most important first down of the game and, and failed to do so because of a, a knee injury. Uh, but he didn't look like he was playing like Alvin Kamara. And they, they've done a poor job. They've not, he has one rushing touchdown this year. Um, he's not. Uh, he's got those fewest rushing yards, uh, still a few games to play, but at this point, the fewest rushing yards since his rookie season when his yards per carry average was almost double what it is this year. Uh, he's caught the ball a fair amount, but not to any great effect compared to earlier in his career. So uh, I just think they've uh, they've not made enough of a concerted effort to get him involved in the offense early in games. And um, I I wonder about his uh, commitment at this point, based at least on the Tampa Bay game last time. I think for the most part he's played very hard and, and played pretty well other than the, 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 the few fumbles he's had. He's generally – uh, run hard, but I don't think he ran hard against Tampa. We'll see what happens on Sunday. And it also appears to me, and, and, and once again, I'm looking at this from an outside perspective. When I see him, they're not utilizing him. Not only are they not utilizing him by getting him involved in the offense as much as they probably should because he's their best offensive playmaker they have, they're also utilizing him wrong. Like, I've seen it all season, less where they're like, well, let's run Mark Ingram and bounce him out to the outside. He's the downhill runner. Let's use him on the outside. And let's use our guy that's great in space. Let's have him run between the guard and the tackle. Like, it, and there's nothing – like, you're not utilizing Kamara and utilizing his strengths when you put him in those positions. And it seems like, to me, it's gotten to the point now where he's just frustrated and he's like, well, you're not using me. And when you do use me, it's not – putting me in a position to actually thrive and using his actual skill set. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. It's almost like they have the plays scripted where they're going to run inside and run outside and throw the ball in the back. But then the personnel that's on the field is done randomly. Like they pull it right. out of the hat and look, oh, Mark's going to be the one that catch the ball out in the flat. <laughs> But Alvin's going to be the run, one to run between the tackles. That was interesting. You know, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of continuity and a lot of um, creativity or, or, or logic even in uh, how they're utilizing um, the, the particular players within the play calls. What do you make of how they've utilized Taysom Hill this season? Uh, similar to Kamara in that there have been times they've not utilized him enough. Uh, I, I think there have been games, and usually the games they've won, where they've gotten him involved and he's been effective. 
Uh, I think that's something they're still working on. Uh, They've not really figured it out completely. But games in which he's, you know, I think the stat is nine or more touches. They, They tend to have good success. And they've tried to get him the ball a little bit more in the passing game. But he's also, there have been games when they've allowed him to throw the ball which has not been very often when he's done very well when they've given him the opportunity. So uh, I, I don't think they've got a real good handle on maximizing his impact on games. And yet at times they've been able to do that. And when they've done it, they've been very successful. If they can, if, if you go back and look at the games, particularly the Vegas game and the, the Rams game, uh, maybe the Cincinnati game to some degree. It, it, when they have been able to get into a rhythm of utilizing Camara and Hill and using Hill in a variety of ways, they've been very good on offense. They just have not been able to do it consistently. We're talking with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. Something I don't feel like we've talked enough about, and we've talked about the secondary not being as good, We've talked about the wide receiving core being banged up, the offensive play calling, the inconsistencies at quarterback, and uh, and Dennis Allen's coaching abilities and his ability to get this team prepared. But another big reason why this team is 4-9 is the play of the defensive line. It has regressed in a big way. Everyone loves Cam. He's been a franchise fixture and everything like that. And he's had some moments, but overall, the defensive line play for the New Orleans Saints has been pitiful this year. Yeah, I think that's been one of the bigger <clears throat> disappointments on the team. I think coming into the season, um, defensive line was probably thought to be the, the deepest position on the team with perhaps wide receiver being another one, but wide receivers had more injuries than the defensive line. So I think defensive line is clearly – the, the group that has fallen the farthest short of expectations. Um, you know, uh, Marcus Davenport has been inconsistent, uh, occasionally plays well, more often than not doesn't. Peyton Turner's been hurt again, has not really developed yet as a young player because of injuries, at least to some degree. David Onyemata has not played as well as he has in the past. Uh, Malcolm Roach was hurt. He actually um, gave them a bit of a spark when he first came back from injury. I don't think Contavia Street has had the impact that they expected. Uh, Cam Jordan, uh, as you mentioned, has had moments, but has not done it consistently. And I think part of that is because he's getting double teamed a lot because there's no uh, consistent threat from the other side. So, uh, yeah, I agree. The defensive line has been a, a big area of disappointment, and uh, that's something they're going to have to look at in the off season because they have a lot of um, high draft choices invested in that group, and uh, there's been regression uh, across the line. Les, let's switch over to the Pelicans. They had their seven-game winning streak snapped uh, on the road at Utah the other night and look it's a long season in the NBA and those things are to be expected uh, no BI he's going to be out held out for another week due to the the bruise on the toe and they played a lot of guys but not a lot of guys stepped up offensively do you expect a better effort and better execution tonight when they take on Utah for the second time in three days 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think they're, they're probably all embarrassed by the way they played the other night. Uh, they didn't have to travel. They stayed in um, in Utah for the second game tonight. Uh, I'm sure Willie Green has uh, shown them cut-ups of everything they did wrong, which was a lot the other night. And they, they're focused on that uh, and doing a better job. Um, tonight, I think they were... I don't know, three out of 24 or something on three-pointers the other night. They just couldn't throw it in the ocean. Uh, That happens occasionally over the course of a season. I wouldn't expect it to happen two games in a row. Uh, So I I think they will uh, be focused on doing better at the stuff they did poorly the other night, including three-point shooting. And I think they will play much better tonight. Uh, you know, Utah's a good team. That's a tough place to play uh, in the altitude and with the home court they have. So uh, it's going to be a tough game, but I think they're going to play a lot better than they did on Tuesday night. We'll wrap it up with this, Les. Is the biggest challenge now for the Pelicans is figuring out a way once B.I. comes back to figure out how he, Zion, Valachunas, Herb are all going to play on the court at the same time? Yeah, I think that is going to be the biggest challenge because what you know, Zion has taken over the offense in Ingram's absence, and he's had the ball in his hands a lot more recently, and he's played great for the most part. But when Ingram gets back, he's going to need the ball in his hands a lot. And so Williamson's going to have to adjust to that. They're both going to have to play without the ball a fair amount. They're going to have to play defense with Williamson and Valanciunas together, which uh, has been pretty good at times of late. Uh, but, you know, that's, that, that's an area where they, that gives them some power inside. It gives them some rebounding, but it also is something teams can possibly exploit uh, when they have the ball. And uh, and then somebody on the bench is going to lose some minutes, and uh, and and somebody who's in the starting lineup now is going to lose some minutes uh, once Bi and Herb Jones come back. So there are going to be a lot of areas in which they're going to have to adjust, and they'll probably have some rough spots along the way. But those are the types of problems that that a coach wants to have. If that's your biggest problem, figuring out how you put a fit all these good players together. Uh, that's a lot better than, say, what the Saints have right now, which is figuring out how to win without so many great players. Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your weekend. Try not to go to sleep Sunday inside the Superdome during that ball game. I make no promises. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Raymond. Uh, we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update the poll question of the day. That's all coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
NBA fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NBA this holiday season. You've heard me tell you before, I love the player prop options. Like for tonight's Pelicans game against the Utah Jazz, C.J. McCollum over under 18.5 points. Valachunas over under 13.5 points. Oh, I like Valachunas to get more than 13.5. I like C.J. to get under. That's how I'd probably bet that. Now, I may change my mind in between now and the game when I put my bets in. Double-doubles for tonight's matchup between the Pels and the Jazz. Zion to get a double-double, plus 225. CJ, plus 1,200. Valachunas, only plus 140. Same game parlays in this game as well tonight. Oh, I got those for you, too. Moneyline Pels at... 115 minus minus 115 total points under 231 and a half plenty of games inside the game so to speak and that's what makes DraftKings so unique and right now DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a special gift for a limited time you can get a no sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, guess what? You'll get your money back in a free bet. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. And get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited-time offer only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 years of age to play physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Max reward limits apply. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing bet. Eligibility restrictions do apply, so make sure to see terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, and if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Poll question of the day. We asked you, Louisiana McNeese, a rivalry when it comes to athletics. That's our poll question of the day. You'll notice we referred to McNeese as McNeese and not McNeese State, and we referred to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns as Louisiana and not ULL because we're all about having respect for those programs. And that's what they would like us to call them. That's what we shall do. 67% of you say, no, it is not a rivalry. 18% say, sort of. 15% of you say, yes. B-Rad says, Nah, not in football. In the 90s and early 2000s, the Cardiac Cowboys probably would have beaten the Raging Cajuns every year, but the program has slipped so much now, it's a mismatch. Maybe it's competitive in other sports like baseball and softball. Ralph says, it would be interesting to see the same question posed to the Lake Chuck audience. Now that y'all are sister stations, no more sibling rivalry, you have to play nice. Hey, bud, what? this show's broadcast in both markets, on both stations. That's why we have it. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Mr. Green. School's back in session today after yesterday being off for the severe uh, storm system. So yesterday he was Jamie. Today he's Mr. Green. Good morning, sir. How are you? 
Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing pretty good. How are you this morning? Are you counting down the minutes and the hours until Friday at 3? Uh, I've already checked out, man. Like, we had our winter concert Tuesday night. I'm just I'm just going through the motions at this point. <laughs> man says, I've already checked out. I'm ready. Christmas break has arrived early for me. I love it. Oh, man. Look, I wanted to – you were talking about name changes earlier. I wanted to share this with you because uh, you can appreciate this because you were covering these schools. So you remember back when uh, the University of Louisiana system started – to, uh, to change, right? And so they said to their schools, okay, if you're going to be in the University of Louisiana system, you're going to change your name to University of Louisiana at such and such. Correct. So UL became UL uh, of Lafayette, UL Lafayette, right? Right, and ULM, UL-M. became UL, so, UL of Monroe. Right. Instead of and Northeast. So they, jumped the, they jumped the gun. They decided to go ahead and knock it out early. They got it done. Because when I was being recruited by these schools, it was still NLU and USL. That's right. Because I'm old. Anyway, so (laughs) uh, that's what they were recruiting me as. Well, Northwestern State, they decided, you know what, they they, they pulled a South Park. Ski guys, I'm going home. And said, we are not changing our name. And then all the Southland schools did the same. So instead of, like, ULLC for, for McNeese and ULT for Nichols and everything else, they just said, no, we're not changing our name. So only the two, you know, and then Tech said the same thing, but nobody cared about Tech. And so the two ULs just jumped the gun. So uh, it, it's funny because we almost had a ULN and a ULLC and, and all this. But, uh, no, Northwestern State can never be just Northwestern because right. the Wildcats in, in Illinois have something to say about that. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's, been, that's been an issue before when a shipment of Wildcat gear uh, ended up in the bookstore at Northwestern State University of Louisiana. Oh, I've heard that story. <laughs> that's happened, actually. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Jamie, Mr. Green. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great one. Yeah, I've heard that story before. That's happened. Where all of a sudden there'll be Northwestern Wildcats gear that shows up at the Northwestern State Bookstore. Because <laughs> someone didn't check the box properly is how that works. I actually have to, when I look up Northwestern now, I have to look up Northwestern Demons every time. Because if I don't, I just look up Northwestern and go to Illinois. I'm like, I don't want to go there. And they also <laughs> talk have about them they are, as a primary color. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Change of colors. Get it together. Oh, we got to take a timeout. When we return here, Michael Brandon, we're going to talk all things SEC and the legacy of Mike Leach. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you're looking for some last-minute stocking stuffers for your loved ones, look no further than the Games Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We have some great stuff in there. 
that you can win. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen also at Cypress Bayou. Both of those are in there ready for you to win, ready for you to take home, ready for you to stock that, well, stuff that stocking. There we go. I got that right now. <laughs> but you can only win it if you go and register and become a member of our rewards club, which is free, simple, at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Louisiana McNeese, is it still a rivalry? Yes, no, or sort of. Those are your options. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk all things Southeastern Conference with the host of That SEC Podcast. By the way, that's the highest rated SEC pod on Apple and Spotify. Our old friend Michael Braden joins us now. Michael, good morning to you, bud. How are you? Hey, doing great. I'd be doing even better for you. Send some of those stocking stuffers my way. <laughs> I like that. I'll, I'll see what I can do, bud. I'll see what I can do. Um, before we dive in and look at the the big bowl matchups for the SEC teams I want to start off with of course the news that's dominated the conference this week and that's the passing uh, the sudden passing of Mike Leach who just wrapped up his third season at the helm of Mississippi State what's your favorite memory or interaction or anything that stands out to you about the man known lovingly as the Pirate? I got to be honest with you. He's the only coach that, outside the SEC, featured on my show heavily. Just, I mean, he's just such a character, and we we hoped and prayed he'd make his way to the SEC one day. And of course, he eventually did, and uh, it was short lived. But if you want to talk about just a, a game day memory, you know, I, this will be a bad one for you for folks down there. But uh, you know, honestly, that first game against LSU. Because all we heard was, you know, this ain't going to work in the SEC. He's going up against premier defenses. He's going against better athletes. And what did he do? I mean, they they smashed the SEC passing record against the defending national champions on national television. Um, I mean, that was just – it's still hard to believe that happened, but – I was there, Michael. It it, it happened. (laughs) I remember going, "Uh uh-oh. Oh, I was like, oh, this LSU team's in trouble. This LSU team's in a lot of trouble. Because Mike Leach just came into Tiger Stadium and just took him behind the woodshed and said, I don't care about your conference, about your 100,000 in the stadium. I don't care. I'm going to run my offense, and we're going to abuse you. And that's exactly what happened that day. Yeah, and I, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, he did it his way, and that's something that you can never take away from him. And it's it's just been tremendous to see all the the outpouring. I I, I realized he was a popular coach, but I didn't realize just how popular and, and how uh, how many lives he affected all around the sport. It's just, it's just been marvelous to see uh, just all the reaction to the to the tragic news. Suddenly and. Are you surprised how quickly Mississippi State has decided to go on there? They're just simply promoting someone on staff to that role, and they're giving him a multi-year deal. I'm not necessarily surprised by that because you need that stabilizing decision, right? You need a stabilizing force, especially for the kids during this time as they prepare for the bowl game and prepare for a signing day period. Right, and to be honest with you, I don't know that they had any other choice. Now, that doesn't mean that – 
defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, now head coach, is that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad choice. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but. Uh, like you said, the stabilize, stabilize things, the continuity. Uh, they don't even have an, an athletics director right now at Mississippi State. So you throw that wrench into all this madness. Uh, the signing day, we are now less than a week away from early signing period. Transfer portal is obviously going. We got a bowl game. I mean, there's just too much to uh, – I don't even know how you could do a head coaching search. So I think Zach Arnett was the only choice for this job. I wish him well. And, uh, you know, I, I hope they keep things rolling down there because I think if you just look at Leach's, uh, his history, his team's always got better and better and better, and that was even happening here in Starkville. They went, uh, I, I believe, from six wins, seven. Now they got eight. They could get nine with the bowl game. I mean, it's just it's remarkable how it doesn't matter the school he's at, the, the upward trajectory, and um, it's just a shame that it, that it came to an end the way it did. Michael, let's shift gears to bowl season. And, you know, uh, there's some interesting games. The bowl season actually kicks off this weekend. The first SEC team won't be playing until a week from Friday, and that's Missouri as they take on Wake Forest in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Oh, that just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> my, my question to that is, it looked like Drinkwitz was on the hot seat. Right, There was a, a stretch during the season where there was lots of rumblings about him possibly getting the boot. He, they finished fairly strong. This is not a marquee bowl game by any stretch, but does he need to win the bowl game and beat Wake Forest to avoid being on the hot seat to start next season? Well, perhaps. I mean, they just gave him a contract extension, but that's life in the SEC. You're, you're only as good as your last game. I really think Missouri, if, if you study that team, if you watch that team, I mean, they were a handful of plays away from being an 8-9 win team. And a, a big reason why they weren't is because they didn't have solid quarterback play. Now, Brady Cook, he kind of came alive at the end of the season, and that's when Drake gave up play-calling duties, and the guy he gave them to just went to Boise State to be his offensive coordinator. So, They've got to get that figured out. They've got to get the quarterback situation figured out. They're among those that are after NC State's Devin Leary, who by many account is the top quarterback in the transfer portal, at least until that uh, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina jumped in the portal. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, they were a train wreck on defense just a year ago. Now they've got one of the better defenses in the SEC. So they've got that shored up. But it is certainly not a great look for drink that uh, the offense is kind of holding them back this season, which that's supposed to be his side of the ball. The Liberty Bowl is going to pit Kansas versus Arkansas. I thought they missed an opportunity there. I would have loved to have seen Kansas and Missouri and that old rivalry be able to play out in a bowl game. But, you know, Jayhawks, a surprising team this year, got ranked and everything like that. Arkansas had a down year. They're facing off in the Liberty Bowl the same day. The Texas Bowl features Texas Tech versus Ole Miss. I know the Rebels would like to get another win under their belt and end the season with some positivity after, you know, kind of stumbling down the stretch. Arkansas feels like they're more desperate for a win, though, to kind of cap off this season. Who's more desperate for a win in their bowl game between Arkansas and Ole Miss? I think it's got to be Arkansas and Sam Pittman. You you want to talk hot seat? 
I mean, I don't, he just got a contract extension too. But again, the world we live in now, it's the world we live in. (laughs) What have you done for me lately? And, you know, this has been a disappointing season. Uh, A lot of the one score games that Arkansas won last season, they didn't win. I believe they were one and four in one score games this year. Uh, This is a must win. You can't go into the offseason with a losing record. They lost Barry Odom to the UNLV job. There's just, there's seemingly a lot of turmoil down there in Fayetteville right now in the locker room. They've had nearly 20 players enter the transfer portal. Uh, this, man, this, fans are already on the edge of their seat. You lose to Kansas in a bowl game, uh, yeah, they're not going to, that's not going to sit well in Fayetteville all offseason. So this is maybe one of the biggest must wins of SEC bowl season. We're talking with Michael Braden of that SEC podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's go to the Gator Bowl because South Carolina, man, uh, 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 no team probably ended their regular season better than the Gamecocks. Beamer really kind of has that program headed in the right direction. Spencer Rattler woke up from his slumber and played the two best games of his career possibly as they take down Tennessee and Clemson to end the season can they take down another perennial powerhouse in Notre Dame down there in Jacksonville? Well, if Spencer Rattler is remains on fire, then yeah, certainly, because, my goodness, I don't know where that came from, but uh, like you said, I mean, I don't think even Shane Beamer had him beating Tennessee, yet they did it. And if you go back and watch that Clemson game, I mean, that that was kind of the more remarkable one to me because – they open the game with a pick six, so they're in a hole on the road. Uh, Rattler also had another interception in the red zone. Terrible decision. Yeah, it was. But you can't, you just can't go on the road and make those mistakes and expect to win, yet they rather dominated outside of those two mistakes. So, uh, I mean, it, it was just stunning. If they play as well as they did, they'll crush Notre Dame, and they may be the hottest SEC team um, that's not in a playoff matchup here. Uh, heading into the off season, so we'll see. Uh, I, I certainly expect them to beat Notre Dame, uh, and I think losing their offensive coordinator normally that's something that uh, uh, fans obviously don't want to see. I think, sadly, I think that's going to be a net positive for that program. Marcus Satterfield was uh, outside of those two games, not really getting it done for the Gamecocks. I'm fascinated to see their new offensive coordinator, Dow Loggins, what he brings to the program. A team that they beat, of course, Tennessee is in the Orange Bowl taking on Clemson. There's going to be no Hendon Hooker because of injury, no Hyatt, who's now declared for the draft. Does Tennessee have enough dogs, so to speak, to beat Clemson in the Capital One Orange Bowl down in Miami? Yeah, one of their other star receivers, Cedric Tillman, has also opted out. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised to see that. I, I mean, I don't really judge players based on, on their decision to play or not, but I would think, given Tennessee, trust me, I'm a Tennessee alum. I know the history. I mean, this has been a dark decade. This is, you know, the biggest spotlight a lot of these guys were going to get. So I, I guess that's just what it is. Bowl season is what it is, but very surprising to see these guys sit out the, in an orange bowl against a, a top 10 Clemson, but uh, this is going to be Joe Milton's time. We're going to see uh, if he is the solution next season. I'm not convinced of it. He's he's had his opportunities. He's come up short in nearly every big-time opportunity I've ever seen him play. So 
this is going to obviously be the biggest game of his life. Josh Heupel has to figure out uh, if this is the guy he's rolling with. They do have a five-star freshman coming in, but you want to start a true freshman in the SEC at quarterback, good luck. You're not going to win 10 games like you did this year. So this is going to be one of the more interesting bowl matchups in the SEC going up against his Clemson defense. And this is an opportunity for Josh Heupel to just kind of put that exclamation point on the best Tennessee season going back to, you know, literally 20 years ago. No word yet for Alabama, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, whether or not they're going to take part in the bowl game, right? That's been kind of quiet, which I'm surprised by. And Alabama traditionally, when they're not in the playoff or playing for a national championship, they, they, they look lifeless in these marquee bowl games. And they've looked lifeless in the Sugar Bowl. And that's where they're headed to take on a Kansas State team that upsets TCU to win the Big 12 championship. Do you expect Alabama Stars to play in this game and end their career with a win? Yeah, I actually do. And, and I think you're overlooking – it was just uh, – trying to think of the season. Maybe it was 2019. Uh, they played Michigan, I think, in the Orange Bowl. Michigan – oh, it was Michigan State. Well, wasn't it in the Capital One Bowl that year and they crushed them? Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of their stars played in that, that ball game. So, I don't know. I, certainly there have been examples to, to your – uh, point that the uh, like Oklahoma, I remember crushed them. Utah, Utah, years and years yep. ago, crushed them in a Sugar Bowl, like you alluded to. But the fact that they haven't come out and said they're, you know, I think they're going to play, and I think they'll they'll finish strong for Coach Saban because I don't know, honestly, I don't know how many more of these games he's got in him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I know Kansas State is a very very popular uh, on the Vegas point spread. I mean, the, the spread right now is three. That's ridiculous. That's that's because they assume Bryce Young and Will Anderson aren't going to play. But I think they do. I think they go out uh, their final games, obviously, at Alabama. And I think they crush Kansas State. All right, buddy, get you out of here with one more. Only got about a minute left. That's going to be the Citrus Bowl, Cheese at Citrus Bowl, LSU versus Purdue. LSU's got some guys leaving, but mainly backups. Purdue has a new coach in place. What do you think of the Citrus Bowl, and how important is it for Brian Kelly after losing in disappointing fashion at A&M and getting crushed by Georgia? How important is it to get to 10 wins and win this game? Well, I'm sure he'd love that on his resume, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think people are just going to look at him winning the West. Uh, they could lose this game by 100 points. I don't think uh, most people would would be bothered by that. But, I, of course, with Jeff Brom leaving, I anticipate – LSU will win the game. It's hard to be engaged for a bowl game when your coach leaves, but we have seen that in the past. Uh, this will be a fun matchup, one of the last bowl games we get. So I anticipate LSU to win, but I'm not giving them too hard of a time because bowl games are just so unpredictable. If they unfortunately drop it, I'm not going to judge Brian, Hart Brian Kelly too harshly on that one. Michael? Appreciate your time, as always, brother. Enjoy the bowl season. Keep up the tremendous work with that SEC podcast, my friend. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. we got to take a time out, our final one of today's show. When we come back, we'll wrap up the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alvin! Alvin! <laughs> Oh, poll question of the day. Do you consider Louisiana-McNeese a rivalry when it comes to athletics? Final results 
on our poll question of the day here on RP3 and Company. 68% of you say no, 17% of you say sort of, 15% say yes. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day and left their comments, including Fun Belt Sports, which say, I would say a baseball rivalry. UL leads 100 to 76 all time. Softball, no. Basketball, no. Football, not anymore. Thanks to all who voted and left your comments. Greatly appreciate you for that. Once again, we'll be headed over to Lake Charles for tonight's Raging Cajuns Cowboys game. It should be a great atmosphere there at the Legacy Center tonight. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, our sports betting analysts that we trust. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, talking Saints and Pels. And Michael Braddon from That SEC Podcast, talking Mike Leach and the bowl season. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.